When I was uh, in ministry school, um, I was broke, like broke, broke, like eating um, ramen noodles for every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks. Kind of broke, and PB&Js in between, you know, kind of broke. We didn't have much money, but what I did have was a uh, 1990 Grand Jeep Cherokee, and I love that thing, man. That thing was off. had over 200,000 miles. I've been across, uh, across the country a couple of times by the time I had gotten it, and man, that thing was awesome. And when you and when you're in college and you have other people that are also eating ramen noodles, and you got a car, man, you are living in high class. Ryan, can you take us over here? Definitely, I got you, bro. Ryan, can you take us to school today? Definitely. Oh, Ryan, can you take us to Arbor? play small for sure and uh man i love that thing it was my first car everyone loves their first car right it was awesome you guys remember your first car and uh it was awesome in in uh i think it was my second year of ministry school uh, the church was putting this big production on for the youth group like like to the nines like a lot like like Broadway level production almost. Maybe like, what's the street over from Broadway? Whatever that is, that's what we were doing. And so there was makeup and lights and fog and sound and music and dancing and singing and they asked me to be a part of it. I don't know why I can't dance or sing, but they did put this really like ugly, ugly mask on me. Um, and like glued it to my face and put all this black eyeliner on and like, like latex glued it to my face. It was horrific and I don't wish, wish it on my worst enemy. So we're getting ready for the dress rehearsal and uh, some of the first year students, they were wanting to go home and I was their right home, but we had dress rehearsal. And I was like, you know what, just take the Jeep home, drive it home, I'll figure out another way. And they're, and they're trying to coerce me. Ryan, skip out on dress rehearsal. It's so stupid, you don't need to go. I was like, I know, I don't want to, but I've got to, I'm gonna get in trouble. Just take the Jeep and go home. Uh, they're like, okay. So they went home and then they had a small group um, across town that night. And I'm on the stage about right here. I remember it like it's yesterday. Latex, mask on, the little suit, whatever it was, black eyeliner all over, my hair was did up, whatever. And I'm on the stage doing the performance and my phone rings. And I see it's one of the guys that I let borrow my Jeep. I was like, oh, let me, let me just answer it real quick. Let me just see what's going on. He's like, uh, hey, Ryan. I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, um, your Jeep is on fire. What? <laughs> and I was like, um, in my mind, I'm thinking, <laughs> you're just trying to get me to leave practice to come to the small group. <laughs> oh, you're so funny, Taylor. Okay, I'll talk to you later. So the practice continues. And my phone rings again, and it's him again. Hey, man, what's going on? I'm still in practice. Now the director is getting angry at me because I'm interrupting the dress rehearsal. But I am going to be a high-level Hollywood diva. you got to do it to the nines. So I pick up my phone right there in the middle of the stage, right in the middle of practice. Hey, Taylor, what's going on, man? Fire department's 20 minutes away. Okay. So at this point, I'm kind of like, okay, maybe. Now that's, that's pretty serious, right? 
And then about 20 minutes later, I get another phone call from a third-year student that's at this small group. And he said, hey, Ron, I'm coming to pick you up. Fire department needs to talk to you. And I was like, oh, now it's for real. <laughs> so I'm telling the director and all this, and, and they're ripping the mask off of my face, like as fast as they can. Um, like I said, don't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> and so they're ripping it off and they're trying to get the black eyeliner off and uh, it doesn't come off. Um, in fact, when I arrive on the scene, I feel so insecure that I have to make it a point to tell the fire department, the firemen that um, I just came from church and not the drag show. So that's what all this is about. <laughs> and um, it was crazy. It was crazy because I should have been really, really upset that, that, that my Jeep had blown up. But I had this weird peace, this peace of God come upon me that I couldn't, like everything inside of me didn't allow me to get upset. Like I walked up and Taylor and the other guy, if I said his name, you would know him, so I won't embarrass him. But I walk up and they're like, Ryan, I'm so sorry. I'm like, dude, it's okay. The thing that, in hindsight, the thing that I was most mad about, by the time I had got there, all that was left was a metal frame. And the thing that I was most upset about was the fact that I did, they were like, dude, there was 30 foot explosions. There was like five or six times it exploded. Um, the, 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 it made like a burn mark on the street that the HOA uh, president was mad about for like six years. Um, <laughs> I think it's gone by now, I don't know. And so, so um, I was mad that I didn't get that. They're like, oh dude, and they got like, because it was a few years, it was before like the iPhone 17 had been out. So it was like 2K resolution. I'm like, oh, it's like pixelated and dark and stuff. So I didn't really get to see it, but that's what I was most mad about. I didn't get to see my baby go up in flames. <laughs> but now here I am on, on a ramen noodle budget and just one flavor, right? Because that's all you could get at Sam's Club. Just the chicken noodle flavor, right? And that's all we had without a car. So without a way to get around. <laughs> now I had to rely on other people and ask other people. And if you know me, which I know some of you do, asking for help is not my strong suit. <laughs> I'm looking at Derek because he's my best friend in here. He's like, yeah, you don't ask for help. So here, I, so here I am, now all of a sudden having to ask for help and having no ride. Been giving people rides, I love to help people if you know me at all. That's another thing about me, I love to help people. Whatever you need, I will help you, which is ironic, I get it. Like, I'll help you, but I won't ask for help. So we get it, and you're like, yeah, Ryan, that's called pride. I hear you, grand eye, thank you. Um, but I found myself between a rock and a hard place. Now, I know in the grand scheme of things, people are in much more dire situations. People are in much more tougher situations than just your car exploding and not having a ride. But this is what I felt led to just challenge you with and encourage you with this morning. Have you ever been stuck between a rock in a hard place? Have you ever been at work and you feel something stir inside of you and you're like, I, I want to pray for them, but I want to pray for them, but 
I could lose my job. I could get reported to HR. Have you ever been in between a rock and a hard place and your adult children are off and doing their own thing and it has nothing to do with that matches up with the way that you've raised them and you can, you can tell them what to do, but you got to kind of let them learn on their own. You're between a rock and a hard place. Uh, uh, your family is fighting and they're coming to you for advice and you, and they're asking you to pick a side, but you're like, I don't want to pick a side, but oh, you have to pick a side. You're between a rock and a hard place. Have you ever got a report from the doctor that wasn't, didn't match up with your faith? You're between a rock and a hard place that you have to make a decision on, on what path to take for, for treatment between a rock and a hard place. Have you ever been between a rock and a hard place? A choice between two equally unpleasant outcomes. And today, that's what I want to talk about today. How do we navigate when we get between a rock and a hard place? So I went all the way back to Exodus chapter 32, when there was a man named Moses, and he was set between a rock and a hard place. Exodus 32, verse 1 um, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. So Moses is up on the mountain chatting with God. And, and, and for context, the people have been at Mount Sinai for about a year, detoxing from slavery, detoxing from the Egyptian rule, detoxing from the pagan idol worship. And so they've been at Mount Sinai for about a year. God has been detoxing them. God has been reestablishing himself as, his, as their God. And God is about to move them on to the next season. The detox is just about over, like days away. And God's about to move them on. And so Moses is up on Mount Sinai chatting with God. And the people are like, I'm bored. <laughs> Have you ever gotten that way with God? <laughs> I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of praying. I'm tired of showing up to church. I'm tired of reading my Bible. I'm tired of saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm, I'm, tired. I'm tired of continuously giving. I'm, I'm tired of waiting. Nothing is happening. And here are the people of God, the Israelites, and they've waited about... 45 minutes and they're tired. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can actually lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. He stutters. He, he, he doesn't, he's a goat shepherd. How is he going to lead us out of the land of Egypt? And so Aaron says, okay, give me all your jewelry. Give me all your gold. We'll melt it down and we'll make a cow, a calf. And we'll worship that. And so they do. And as they're doing this, word gets back up to Moses and God up on the mountain. And this is God's response. We skip down to verse 9. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious those people are. In the New King James, and the King James Version, it says, stick-necked. Which sounds a lot more harsh to me. How stick-necked those, stiff-necked those people are. Verse 10, now, now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation. 
Then Moses tried to pacify the Lord, his God. Oh, Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Here, Moses finds himself between a rock and a hard place. This is just my opinion, but if I had to put myself into the mind of Moses here, he's thinking, yeah, God, I, I agree with you. These are a bunch of idiots that you have left me to lead. Yeah, they are stiff-necked. I totally agree. Yeah, they do complain. Yeah, they do whine. I've spent the last over a year with them. Yeah, it's pretty annoying. So if you were to kill them, I actually, he probably wouldn't even mind to start over. But I think what scared Moses the most between being between a rock and a hard place was he didn't want to spend another 40 years on the backside of a desert all alone. Moses didn't want to spend another 40 years herding goats. He didn't want to go back to that. He didn't want to go back to his former life. He wanted to go to what God had promised him, a land of milk and honey, which he'll bring up later. See, Moses found himself between a rock and a hard place, which I think is pretty, I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty bold because God just said he was going to pour out his wrath upon these people. And here Moses is trying to pacify him, trying to pacify God. And, and, and this is, forgive me. But I think this is just how my mind works. When I think like God is about to say, I'll destroy them. I'm thinking like he's going to breathe fire out of his mouth and lasers are going to come out of his eyes. And he's just going to wipe everybody, mow all of the Israelites down from the mountain. It's probably not even biblical. So I apologize. <laughs> Thanks. So... So here is Moses standing between this God who is going to pour out his wrath and these people who are probably going to reject him. Here is Moses standing between the wrath of God and trying to pacify him and trying to please all of this whole nation of people, trying to lead them and trying to worship him, trying to, trying to get them to repent and trying to get him to hold back his wrath and give them just one more day. And so if we fast forward to the next chapter, this is what, how God puts it. He says, get going. Just, you're just going to have to go. I can't go with you all. He said, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Go to the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I will give this land to your descendants. Okay. Moses, you're right. You said I brought you out of the land of Egypt. All right. Just go. And he says, go because I can't go with you because if I go on this road trip with you, I'm going to kill you. You're so annoying. You're so rebellious. You're so stiff necked. If I go with you, I will surely destroy you along the way. And I love how Moses ends this chapter because he lays out, I think, perfectly of how we can navigate, how maybe this is just more for me and this is a therapy session for Ryan, but I hope to encourage you. I didn't come here today with some deep theological dialection of dissecting the word of God. I've come here with just a simple encouragement. I felt like that's what God told me to do is just to come here and encourage you today. And so at the end of this chapter, we're going to read the next few verses and then we'll, we'll, we'll pull it out. He shows us how to navigate when we're set in between a rock and a hard place.
Let's read it. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. Verse 13, if it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your way so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is for your very own people. The Lord replied, I'll go, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I'll give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you, if you don't go personally, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for, and I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show you mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and I will let, and I will let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Over the next couple minutes, I want to share four things of how to navigate when we find ourselves in between a rock and a hard place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends that are in this room today. I thank you that no one's here by accident or coincidence, but God, by your divine sovereign hand. And so knowing that and believing that and having faith in that, God, we pray that over the next few minutes, not a man, not a person, not a human being would speak to us, but God, your presence would speak directly to our heart and to our situation. God, I, I pray that whether the situation is at hand or in the future, God, that this word would fall on fertile soil and will sprout a great harvest. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. amen. So when Moses found himself in between a rock and a hard place, the first thing he did was he was standing on the promise that God had given him. Which I think, in my opinion, is kind of a bold thing to do. Because here he is about to pour out his wrath. He said, I'm about to destroy an entire nation of people. And here he is. He has the audacity to remind him, God, this is what you've promised in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me. I know you just said you're going to kill everybody. I know you just said you couldn't go with us because you were going to kill us. We are so annoying. You couldn't go with us. But, but God, I want to remind you, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me that you know me by name. You've told me that you look favorably on me. You've told me that you will go with us. I don't want an angel. I don't want a human. I don't want another podcast. I don't want a YouTube video. I don't want a document. I don't want, I don't want a, I don't want a YouTube series. God, 
I want you to go with me. God, you've promised me. Have you stood on the promises of God? Come on, maybe you're feeling lonely. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and he'll be with you. He'll go before you and he'll stand right next to you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Come on, Isaiah 40.29, he gives strength to the weary. May you've been feeling at the end of your rope. Deuteronomy 40.29, and increase the power of the weak. Did you know that God does that? Philippians 4.6 and 7, maybe you've been feeling anxious stress to the gills. Come on, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on in your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Maybe you don't know what the next step is. Maybe you don't know what the next season holds. Maybe you're in the life decision. Well, I could do this or I could do that or I could do this and I could do that. Well, Proverbs 3, 5, don't lean on your own understanding but trust in God. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Have you felt like throwing in the towel? Have you felt like giving up? Have you felt like, well, it's not worth it? Have you stood on 2 Corinthians 9, 8? Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Keep on praying. So the first thing that Moses did that Moses shows us when he was between a rock and a hard place was that he stood on the promises of God and we barely scratched the surface of the promises of God. The theologians can't quite determine how many are in the Bible, but they argue between like 6,000 and 60,000, something like that. So if you're wondering, there's a promise for that. The second thing that Moses did when God was about to remove his hand and say, well, you just got to go on this road trip yourself. He stood on the promises of God. And there was one thing for sure. He wasn't going without God. There wasn't anywhere that he was going to go if God wasn't going to take him there. Verse 15, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Come on, I want to just encourage you and remind you, and it's nothing new for most of you, but I just wanted to remind myself too that Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. Come on, consider God in your decisions. Consider God in what you're doing with your life. Consider God in, in where you go to lunch this week. Consider God in how you spend your time and your money. Consider God in what you do with your family this week. Are you considering God? Are you being led with God? Are we saying, God, if you don't go, I don't want to go. Are we, that, are we that serious about this thing? I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I, if I even am most days. Am I considering God when I go to, 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 to Willie's Mexican restaurant? No, I just really like their Frito burrito. It's awesome. Maybe God's in it. I don't know. It feels like it is sometimes. Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Come on, it's really simple. Or it's really simple when we find ourselves, and I know I'm speaking from experience, when we're between a rock and a hard place to begin to gratify the desires of the flesh. Well, God's forgotten all about me. Well, why God? Well, I've been working hard. I've been praying and praying and praying. And I go to church and I give and I tithe and I serve. And God still doesn't seem to show up. Must not work. Let's throw it all away. I've been there. I felt like it. I want to throw in the towel. Might as well just gratify the flesh. Might as well just drink my sorrows away. Might as well just binge watch some porn. Might as well just take care of me. Do me. Right? And here Moses very simply tells us he's standing between a rock and a hard place. And he still says, God, if you don't go, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go unless you personally go with me. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Maybe you're afraid of what the future holds. You're making a decision between a rock and a hard place, and you're not sure what, if I make this decision, what's going to happen? Well, when you're led by the Spirit, He will speak of the things to come, the things that can't be seen, the things of the future, the things of, the, of, of what happens when you make a decision, when you follow God, when you follow the peace of God. So when Moses found himself between a rock and a hard place, he stood on the promises of God. He wasn't going to go without God. And thirdly, He was known by God. I find this just so interesting. To me, this this when I read this this week and I was praying about it, this really, I don't know, this hit me right between the eyes. To be known by God. In verse 17, this is how God replies to Moses. I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably on you. And I know you by name. Did you know that God knows you by name? Even in, when you're between the rock and the harp, even when you're in the difficult situation, even when it's chaotic and trying to make a life decision, even when things don't seem to be going right, God knows you by name. Right. Yeah. Ephesians 1.4 Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Luke 12, 7. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. God knows you by name. It's not a surprise of the situation that you're in. It's not a surprise, even if you feel like it was self-inflicted. Have you ever been put in between a rock and a hard place and you're like, well, I'm here because I deserve it. It was my own doing. It was my own actions that got me here. God still knows you by name and you're still more valuable than a whole flock of sparrows. And even they're taken care of and fed. So when Moses was between a rock and a hard place, he stood on the promises of God and he reminded God of them. He wasn't going anywhere without God and he was known by God. And then lastly, he was hungry for more of God. Come on, it's easy when you're between a rock and a hard place in a difficult situation to lose your appetite. It's very easy to say, well, 
that wasn't working. That diet wasn't working. The diet of going to church a couple times a week doesn't seem to be working. The diet of pray, prayer and asking God and petitioning God and, and, ask, and, 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 and over and over and over, I feel like a broken robot praying doesn't seem to be working. But there was something in Moses that said, I need more of God. In verse 18, he says, Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. And then we all know the, the, the verse where he says, I can't show you my face. Which I think, I was thinking about this and, and digging into this. And I thought was so interesting. Because it says in previous chapters that Moses would meet with God. He would be in the tent having face-to-face conversations with him. He was up on the mountain constantly meeting. And so I thought, well, what does that mean, your glorious presence? And this is just my opinion is that Moses understood that even though he was meeting with God, even though he was talking with God, even though he was conversing with God, there was something about in his relationship with God that he understood there's got to be more. I think Moses understood that there was a greater plan. And I think this glorious presence, the weight of his presence, the, the weight, which is what glorious means here, is the weightiness, the, 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 the fullness of God, is that Moses understood that there was a greater plan at hand where, where God was going to send a Messiah, where God was going to send his only begotten son, that he realized that there was something more to this whole thing than just leading a people across the desert. And so I think he wanted to understand what this plan would look like. And we read it. God said, no, 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 you're not ready for it. So I'm going to have to place you in, into the, into the, to the cleft of the rock is what some translations say. But are you hungry for more of God? Jesus said this, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Even in the difficult situation, even in the hard place, even when you're not sure what decision to make, even when you don't know where to go next, even though you don't know what step to take, even though you don't know how to respond to your kids, even though you don't know uh, 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 how to respond to the doctor and the report that you've been given, even though you don't know how to respond to your bank account and to the bills that are stacking up, even though you don't know how to, 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 to respond to what's going on in your home and your marriage and with your kids and all of it, when you hunger and thirst for God, you will be satisfied. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. So here God tells Moses, I'm going to show you more of my presence. You asked for it. You hungered for it. I will show you more. So God puts Moses into the, into the cleft of the rock and he puts his hand over him. And he says, I'll make my goodness pass over you and you'll call and I'll call out my name Yahweh before you. And I will show you mercy to anyone that I choose and compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock as, I, as my glorious presence passes by. I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. 
I think it's so interesting that Moses was between a rock and a hard place. And here God sets him between a rock and a hard place. He sets him on the solid foundation. He sets him on the solid rock. Oh, I know it's difficult, but here, sit in here. I've got you. And I just wanted, this is what I've come to to encourage you with. To rely on the solid rock. The foundation that is Jesus. The solid foundation that no shifting sand can come and wipe away your house. That you would be standing on the solid rock. To stand on the promises of God. To obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. To know who you are in Christ. And to hunger for more of God. It's not deep. It's not super complicated. But as I was praying, what I should encourage and say to the house this morning, this is what the Lord gave me. And I pray that it blesses you. And I pray that it challenges you this week. I know it will me. That as you're put into a rock between a rock and a hard place, sit in the cleft of the rock. In other words, sit in the presence of your heavenly father. Sit on the foundation that is Christ Jesus Stand on the promises that he's given you for every situation. Obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Don't go anywhere without his presence. Know that he knows you by name. And then I want to challenge you, don't lose your appetite for your heavenly father. Let me pray for you.